Welcome to Love Where You Live, a podcast dedicated to real estate in the Treasure Valley. When's this bubble gonna pop? Is it a good time to invest? Hey, I wanna buy a house, but where do I start? Start, start, start. Join our hosts, Jamie Matzdorf and Corey Michaels, as they share information and inspiration about Boise's real estate and fun to be had in the gym state. We'll have guest speakers, new perspectives, and much more, much more. To learn about the opportunities in the Treasure Valley and be supported by Idaho's best, go to jamiematzdorf.com. Hi, this is Corey Michaels, along with Jamie Matzdorf, and this is Love Where You Live. Now, last episode, Jamie, we were talking about, and we had great guests and great information talking about what selling looks like today in this market. Mm-hmm. Well, now this episode, we promised you last time, we're going to flip that to the other side. We are. Today, we're going to talk about what buying looks like in today's market and how to get buyers most prepared to be successful in their search for their next home. All right. And we have another great guest to be able to to talk about that and to kind of explore because I, I know, you know, for a lot of people, whether selling or buying, everything seems so scary right now. And, you know, we talked about the bubble and we talked about some of these and we've got a lot more to come, but there's just so much unknown that that people are scared. So someone who's wanting to buy right now and saying is now the right time to buy. And we talked about that a little bit with the bubble bursting Uh episode. Um, But also, you know, is it the right time to get investment property? Is it the right, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting to buy in this market, maybe you're a first time home buyer. What should they be scared of? Not scared of? Let's dispel some of those uh, rumors and myths and let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, when I first meet with clients that are considering buying, knowing why they're buying, is your family growing? Are you relocating for work? Has your family grown and gone and you're ready to downsize? Um, You know, are you moving in from out of state and it's your first time? Those are all really important questions so that we know what direction to go into, but also to know if you're really ready right now or not. Mm -hmm. My job as an agent is to help educate my clients, to help provide you with the information um, so that you can put your best foot forward and decide what's best for your family. Maybe now's the perfect time for you to buy. Maybe now's not the perfect time for you to buy. And that's okay too. But when we sit down and, and after we get through the initial conversation of why if now really is the time or you know what, even if it's, if the time isn't now sitting down with a lender and getting pre-approved or maybe now isn't the time and it's you're six months out and you need to work on your credit or paying off some bills. Um, you know, maybe you need to make a little bit of money before you're able to finance the home of your dreams. But that goes back to the piece of educating and Mm -hmm. I can't educate you and a lender can't educate you until you take the simple 30 minutes it takes to get some basic information, um, input. And then we can have these conversations about what your options are. Well, and and maybe you don't think now is the time. Maybe it is. Whatever that case may be, sitting down and finding out where you are and getting that roadmap because a lender, an agent is going to be able to say, all right, you're close. Here's your roadmap. This is what you need to do. And you're going to be ready in six months, in a year, you know, whatever that happens to be, or Mm -hmm. might look at you and go, you're golden. Mm -hmm. Right now's the time. And, but without having that 30 minutes, as Jamie said, you're, you're not going to know. Yeah. You got it. You've got to start somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. and the somewhere to start is meeting with the lender 
And then you just take it one step at a time and an agent's there with you. And I've purchased and sold many homes. So I've got a lot of experience in that world. And and I, in my own experience, know, man, I wish that very first time I would have sat down with a lender a year before instead of wasted that time doing what I thought was right, but not really knowing the education of what truly is right. So even if you're 100% certain that now isn't the time, fill out that application, have a conversation with the lender. They're happy to help you. And in fact, we've got someone here with us today that's happy to help educate and teach as well. Um, We've got Josh Anderson with us here today from Idaho Central Credit Union. Thanks for being with us, Josh. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, we wanted to just dive into the nitty gritty. Can you just explain to the listeners what the home application process is like for them? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So it's uh, it can be really pretty simple. It's not scary. Uh, you know, it's mostly done online. It's a, uh, you know, we can meet up in person and do it in person, but uh, the online aspect is is pretty awesome now with the technology out there. Um, so what you do is you jump online, uh, you fill out the application the best of your ability. Like Jamie said, it takes probably 20 to 30 minutes to get a good solid application in place. Um, once that's submitted and done, uh, we get it reviewed and get back a hold of you and see what we can do for you. Totally. And, and of course, with a, a buyer's permission, he's also willing to have a three-way conversation. If there's something that your agent can do to support you, obviously we want to respect your confidentiality and um, get that approved ahead of time. But, um, you know, a lot of times in the cases with my own clients, the three of us are able to brainstorm what the best option is for you. And then the ball's in your court. We're just here. We're your supporting team. You know, we're sitting on the bench ready for you to call us in when you're ready. Um, and then take it from there. So after that process of the home application and um, Josh giving you a call and communication, then we've got the opportunity to really have our ducks in a row so that you can start the home search. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the time is right, you've you've got everything. Josh is ready for a pre-approval letters. Um, and having all that information already in his system is helpful to make that process as quick as possible. After you've uh, completed that application with Josh at ICCU, the next step, if now is the time for you and or your family to purchase a home, um, is the pre-approval process. Can you speak to that for me, Josh? Yep. Great question. So uh, in my opinion, probably the most important part of the process, especially in this market and the times we're in, um, you know, you complete the application, we get a notification that's done. Uh, we pull it up, review it, go through it. It will give you a call back to make sure on the same page with all the numbers and, and information put in there. Um, a lot of our verification documents now are automated third-party stuff, so we can get it pretty instantly. Um, but if we're missing something, we'll request documentation from you because that's, again, part of the most important process of a good solid pre-approval letter in this market specifically is we have the documentation needed to support the application to be able to um, provide a good solid pre-approval letter and answer any questions we might have from listing agents and things like that with your offer that come up. Man, and that pre-approval letter is just so important these days for getting an offer accepted. I know personally in my own experience representing sellers, I get pre-approval letters from potential buyers from all different kinds of lenders. Some lenders, I don't even recognize the name and it concerns me a little bit. You know, We've got little tiny brokerages up to Wells Fargo and everything in between. What's different about the pre-approval letters from ICCU? Yep. Great question. That's one of the things that I just, I just central credit and we take great pride in. So um, all our team and staff is here local in Idaho. Uh, all our underwriting is done in, in house, in person. Um, and so we collect that documentation up front from you, which is the uh, very important step. So we're not going on, you know, verbal hearsay stuff. We're going on hard numbers. Uh, and then we actually get that submitted down and looked at by an underwriter right away up front to review your items and um, know where we stand um, after underwriting has reviewed it 
to put in place a good solid letter. So when someone sees an offer with an ICCU pre-approval letter, um, do you think they'd accept that over a pre-approval letter from someone else that might not have, you know, really validated those those pay stubs or investments or, you know, even cash that's in the account? Y- yes, I would believe so. And then, you know, as, as a lender as well in this market, like, like Jamie mentioned, um, sometimes the listing agents will reach out because they have letters from us and ask us specific questions about the application. Have they provided you the documentation? Have they, been, have they provided you this? You know, where are they at in the process? You know, how responsive are they? You know, when we can answer yes to all that, it strengthens your offer. For for me, and again, you know, I my whole part of this is at times to play devil's advocate <laughs> because, you know, Jamie is the real estate expert. Uh, I'm just the one that sits here and talks and, you know. Looks pretty. And, and yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but, no, and maybe this isn't the right time or not. And Jamie, you can tell me. Um, what's the difference between if this is your 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 main home uh, that you're buying versus an investment, a second home, something like that. Is the 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 lending process different? The application process is technically the same. Same application, same stuff used, same underwriting, okay. same everything. Uh, there is different terms, you know, different rates, different down payments, different things like that. You know, an investment property is in the intent for a rental agreement long-term in place. Mm-hmm. A second home is maybe a cabin in a call, you know, more than 50 miles away from your primary home. It's You're going to vacation there. Right. Now, what about as far as land? I mean, is it, you know, if I'm just wanting to get into, because I've thought about this as our town grows and we've talked about it, I'm great with all the growth we've had. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't want to be able to actually have a place out uh, north, out in the woods. And maybe I'm not ready to build that pro- that yet, but I'd like to get some some dirt and call it my own uh, for a while until I get to that point. What What is that process kind of like? Yep, so again, the application process still the same, same application process, but the land portion of it's a bit different. Uh, we typically run that through our construction team. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple different types of land loans. There's like a recreation land loan that you might be talking about. You're gonna buy a pair of piece of land and then park your fifth wheel RV on it and stay there. Mm-hmm. Or you're gonna buy a bare land loan in a subdivision to build a house on. A couple different avenues there, but they right. are out there. There is another um, thing we need to dispel as well is uh, mobile home purchases. Some people have contemplated getting mobile homes for a second home. Um, Mm -hmm. I just sold a really great one on an awesome land down in um, over in Garden Valley, just a little bit east of here, right on the river. Um, But that's different. So, Josh, what's the difference between mobile homes and buying a, a standard foundation based single family here in the Treasure Valley? Yep. So a couple of differences there. You know, we do offer mobile home loans. They're actually pretty popular right now uh, and we can do them. Uh, the The rate can be a little different. The down payment requirement can be a little different. And there's some guidelines when you're buying a manufactured home that you have to be in place. So uh, it has to be on a permanent foundation, it has to be classified as real property uh, and you have to own the land it sits on. So you can't buy something in a rented park or anything like that. If you meet those, it's got to be at least a double wide and newer than a 1976. If you meet those requirements, you're off to sailing there. <laughs> awesome. So um, there are some there are some communities here in the Treasure Valley that are really nice mobile home parks. Um, oh, yeah. In fact, there's one right on the Boise River in downtown Garden City. I would totally take a mobile home down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but those the land there is leased for each of the owners. It's not owned. So that's a very different situation. Can you uh, 
can you help explain to the listeners why it's different when the land is owned versus leased or why that's why that feels different to someone that is about to lend you a bunch of money on something that you don't really own? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question because sometimes it's not always just manufactured homes. Sometimes you can have like a 55 and older community that's on leased land that mm, you don't own the yeah, property right. as well. Um, and I think to my understanding, what it really comes down to is, you know, the, the foreclosure collection process, if that ever were to come up, you don't own the land that sits on. And so the rights of a lender and things like that get a little bit different when something needs to happen in that realm. So essentially, um, for a lender, if, if you don't own the land that it's sitting on, there's no collateral for them. So if they're lending you $250,000, um, on something that could be moved, they don't have anything. Uh, if something, some forbearance were to happen, uh, as some collateral for their mm -hmm. company. So it totally makes sense, but thanks for explaining that. Well, and it does make sense. If you don't earn, own the dirt that it's on, I mean, that's, that's the part that never changes. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that ground is always going to be there. Uh, but yeah, if you have, if all you have is either the brick and mortar or two by fours or something that came on wheels initially and that's sitting on it, well, yeah, that's, that's all you own. And that's the only thing that depreciates yeah. the land. That's the part that appreciates over over time. Yeah, totally. So we've crossed that one off the list. Let's circle back to um, single family home buyers. And in today's market, we know a lot of homes are going for prices above listing. We're also seeing in them that there are appraisal clauses, not an appraisal waiver and an appraisal clause. And, and what that clause means is that if an appraisal comes in lower than the offered purchase price, then the potential buyer is willing to come up with the extra cash necessary from the lender's terms to cover the gap. Sometimes they'll say, we'll cover it the entire gap if there's a gap. And sometimes there's people that can't just put a big question mark on what their bill is going to be at the end of closing. And they say, I can waive a gap, uh, a clause up to $15,000 if it comes under. So if that case, if that were to happen, let's say someone was buying an $800,000 house, they were planning to put down 200,000 as a down payment, but the appraisal came in for 50,000 less. Uh, what, what would be approved from a lender in that case? Yep. Great question. And, and it's happening right now a little bit. So uh, this can be a little tricky, a little hard to explain sometimes, but the, the main thing is from a lender is um, the purchase price or the appraised value, the lesser of the two is what's used. So if you have an $800,000 home and you're putting $200,000 down, um, you know, you're putting more than 20% down. 20% would be 160,000 bucks. So if it comes mm -hmm. in short, um, in this case, you probably wouldn't even have to make up a difference because you're already there. Um, but, but in, in a normal case, uh, if, if you're buying a home and the appraisal comes in short, um, technically you would have to make up that difference unless you have a, you know, a large sum down or you're up against a minimum qualifying amount, like a 5% down, a 10% down, you know, 15 and 20 and so on. Um, so we will, you know, also back to part of the pre-approval process, verify, you know, Hey, how much money do you have in your bank account? We need to get your income and assets. What are you looking at here? You know, along with Jamie kind of explain the process of how this works in this market and kind of get us all set up on the same position there of, okay, you have this much money. You want to buy this much of a house. You can bridge an appraisal gap of 20, 30, 40 grand, you know, 
if that situation may arise. Totally. So I guess I could have done better in using some, some better numbers, knowing the 20% down. So let's back up. Let's say 800,000 and someone decided they wanted to put down a hundred thousand. So now we're in a position and then the appraisal came in for 50,000 less for round numbers. Um, so that is less than, you know, that's, what is that? About 15%, a little over 10%, I suppose, down. Um, what would the the case be in that scenario? So great question. So yeah, so in that, in that scenario, you technically would have to bring in the difference or, or the majority of it. Um, you know, the minimum down payment um, would be 10% in that range, in that purchase price range. And so if you're more than 10% down, you're fine. If it's going to take you to be less than 10% down, you have to bridge that gap to get back to 10% down. Okay. So sometimes it's not the whole 50 grand shortage. Sometimes just paying 20 grand shortage because you're upping your loan amount a little bit to cover that difference for you. I'm curious because what I've seen, and I've seen with my son who's been trying to buy uh, here recently, and you know he's, he's a lot smarter than me <laughs> and makes a lot of money. Uh, USC grad, uh, works for a computer company, and proud dad right there <laughs> yes very much he's yeah thank thank god he didn't get all my genes anyway so but he's gotten into these bidding wars where it has just gotten stupid you know and there's 10 people going all of a sudden next thing you know you're 80 grand over appraisal and people are doing it how does that how does that work i i'd really love to be able to uh talk to him more about that but i just look at him and go i don't know that's dumb yeah and, and, but that's all i got for him yeah you know uh, with most with majority of buyers the the amount that you put in your offer with the uh appraisal clause up to x amount is most common um sometimes it just is what it is um yeah. So if if you get back if you get past or when you get past that initial uh, you know bidding war, let's say your son is the one that won it, mm-hmm. and he had a twenty thousand dollar appraisal clause. We get through the inspection contingency, we get to the appraisal. The appraisal comes in low, more than twenty thousand. Let's say it came came in thirty thousand low. We've got three options here. We can either say see you later. I'm not buying this house. Right. We could negotiate with the sellers and say, man, we're halfway through this contract already. We've got a week and a half and I can get you a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Will you make up the difference or reduce the purchase price? Uh, not make up the difference, but reduce the purchase price by $10,000 so that we can move forward. Mm-hmm. It's your agent's responsibility to negotiate that. And that's wh- why we're here. Or you can come up with the money. And it's really as simple as that. There's three options. Um, and, and it's just one step at a time. Um, after you've gotten through most of that process, likely um, you'll be able to figure it out because you're halfway through it now. Nobody wants to lose the home at this point. Well, and, and now he's, he's gotten one that he has gotten the approval on. And, you know, they finally negotiated the price. They came back for a little more. He finally said yes okay i'm willing to do that because this is the home i want now then now they're they're talking about and this was just this past weekend he gets an early morning panicked our house isn't gonna our house that we're having built is not going to be done when we thought we just found out and so we want to stay you know an extra three weeks 
Hmm. Now, he had responded with, okay, it's going to be this amount per day or reduce the the cost mm-hmm. to compensate however you want to do that and they're like well no we just want to stay and he's like eh, it doesn't work that way it's not your home anymore once it closes it's my home mm-hmm. what what do you do there i you better hope you've got a really great agent uh, i don't know that he does yeah so <laughs> and that's you know that's something that i want to be respectful to everyone in the industry but it's really critical when you're choosing your agent that they're educated um that they've got experience that if they've got a brokerage um mm-hmm. with attorneys that can that can defend the law um but you've got to have a really great negotiator. And, you know, part of being an agent also is building rapport with the sellers, the seller's yeah. agent, um, and being able to work through those things because hiccups happen. New construction delayed in 2021 mm-hmm. in the Treasure Valley. That happens every single day. Get used yeah. to it. Um, but being able to navigate that, go back to the sellers and hey, say, hey, how can we work together? Um, you've got to find a win-win. There's some cases this the buyer might not have any place to go. Um, right. You know, so how do we navigate that? But having a, a really great negotiator is what's going to make or break the difference, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to have a whole episode on picking your agent. And unfortunately, I hadn't met Jamie yet when uh, when Justin started this process, <laughs> or I think we'd be in a different place because it truly does matter who your agent is. Is it someone that I'm sorry, it's just a fact. So I and I'm not in the industry, so I can say some things that Jamie can't. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of people that jumped on the the bandwagon in the mid 2000s because there was such a boom and so much money to be had that never had any business being a real estate agent. Sorry, just a fact. Mm-hmm. Well, they also went away most of those when the 07, 08, 09, all through that time, well, the cream rose to the top, as it always does. And we're seeing that again right now. Not every agent is created equal, and there is a lot right now with as much as being sold and as fast as it's being sold. We're back into that same position where there's a lot of people that are going to real estate school, getting their license, but they don't care about you as a buyer or a seller. They care about making that fast paycheck right now as they see it and so it's not being disparaging it's just being a fact and we're here to look out for you and whether that's jamie whether uh, you're going with josh and iccu finding the right partners that are going to help you through your process is the most important thing because the ones that are the best are looking out for you they know that the money will follow because they're doing the right thing for their clients. That's who you need to find. Absolutely. So there's my two cents on that, <laughs> on that part. Yeah. You know, there's, um, there's almost 50 new agents coming into the market right now on a regular basis. And I always joke that every person knows 12 agents. I mean, someone's sister, cousin, best friend, and someone inevitably will be offended if you, you know, choose to go with a different realtor, but oftentimes this is the largest purchase of most individual or families' lives. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big deal and it can be an amazing experience or it can be a really traumatic experience. So really vetting your agent um, to know their qualifications, their experience, the people they have behind them. I don't know all the answers, but I've got enough people behind me that we that know the answers them. together. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's not just in real estate with every industry when the industry is booming. 
um, there's interest there. Mm-hmm. There's folks that think it's easy money and it's just not going to happen. So it ebbs and flows. And, and again, I'm, I mean, no disrespect, disrespect to anyone. I just, I so deeply want clients, both buyers and sellers to be well taken care of by someone Absolutely. that cares for their best financial and, you know, your home is your, is your oasis. And, um, mm-hmm. it's important to me that at the end of the day, when a client buys or sells, they say that was the right decision. Absolutely. All right. Now, Josh, bottom line, what advice would you give to someone buying or, or selling in, in this market? Yeah. And, and we've kind of hit on a little bit too, like, like Jamie's mentioned, we've talked about before, you know, especially in this market, uh, that good, solid pre-approval, initial interaction, uh, you know, kind of the team thing, you know, we were just talking about that right now, you know, when, when everybody's working together as a, as, as a team, uh, the process just goes so much more smoothly and, and so much better. But, uh, you know, that good, solid pre-approval, providing the documentation, everybody be on the same page, open, honest, upfront with everybody of where you're going to go, how much you can buy, what are you going to put down? You know, things like that is, is in my opinion, by far, uh, really the only way to get off on the right foot in this market right now. All right. Totally. So with that, having that lending piece in place is critical mm-hmm. when you're trying to buy a home. And another thing I wanted to talk through for listeners, um, there's some folks that haven't purchased a home. This is their first home um, or it's their first time, their first home in Idaho and our contracts might look a little bit differently. Um, when you're buying a home in the state of Idaho, there are um, essentially three different clauses to get you out of a contract. Um ethically. <laughs> you know, the earnest money is there to protect the sellers to make sure that the offer is real and true um, and you have the right intentions, but sometimes there's things that happen. So I just, I want to chat about um, what those things are. So the first clause um, is an inspection. An inspection takes place. The buyers go back to the sellers, discuss the things that came up on it um, that are critical for them to move forward in the contract. Um, If nothing came up and the home is beautiful as new, then you can just waive it and move on. Or you can ask the sellers to make repairs or provide um, some money to counterbalance those repairs that need to be made. Or you can say, holy cow, the big M word, there's mold in the attic and, and we're walking away. So there's, there's three options within that inspection contingency. If it has not been waived in the initial offer, the second um, contingency in the contract in Idaho is the appraisal. We discussed that at great length, so I'm just going to breeze through that. Um, it needs to come in at value of the purchase price or below. And um, if it's below, then it's lender terms. It's not really the the terms of the contract. And then the third one is financing, typically. Um, if it's not an all-cash cash purchase, let's say something um, drastic happened and someone lost their job and they weren't allowed to, they weren't able to get financing, but everything was honest and open in the beginning, then you would be able to walk away from that contract and receive your earnest money back. So there are three situations. So, you know, if it's someone that's terrified about, you know, this is their first million dollar house ever. And man, if I get locked into this contract, what if something comes up? There are some things to protect the buyers. Absolutely. And um, your agent should be discussing that with you before you submit any offers. If not, call me and I'll submit the offers for you. But those are the things to to get you out if you need to and necessarily um, in the case that you would receive your earnest money back. Now we're coming to my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> All right, Josh, we're going to start with you. Where's your favorite place to go hang out in the Treasure Valley? 
Ooh, uh, recently. For activity or food, you, uh, or beer, you, you name it. Yeah, Up recently, to you. Recently, I've been going to Bardenay Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the patio. Uh-huh. Uh, love the food. Uh, the mojitos are awesome. Yeah, my wife yeah. and I do some lunch down there on occasion, uh, but love that spot. You're a big golfer, too. What's your favorite course in town? Big golfer. Um... Uh, there's a couple of, are there a couple? There's, there's a couple right, of, there's a lot of them. Uh, right, right now we play at the, the River Club or the Plantation. Uh, I play at Shadow Valley quite a bit. There's mm-hmm. a little place called River Birch out in Star that's oh, fantastic yeah. to play. Treasure Valley's got a great golf community, great golf courses. Awesome. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. If All right. only I could golf. <laughs> I know, me too. I, <laughs> I, I, still, <laughs> I go out. I'm good at going out, not good at golf. <laughs> <Half> the battle. <laughs> I, I'm good at having a couple of pops with some friends, having some laughs, and knowing that maybe once in that round I'm going to hit something that looks like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) But now it is time for our Treasure Valley Spotlight and your discount for this week for being a part of our family here at Love Where You Live. And that is Grant's Neighborhood Grill in in Meridian. It's right there, Cherry Lane. And is that Linder? Jamie? Yep. yep. Yeah. And my wife and I go over there. They've got a great little patio and they've got awesome foods and really, really a, a nice staff. And the, the folks are great there. Yeah. They're in a really great uh, kind of old town Meridian that mm-hmm. is just popular as can be and um, locally owned a husband and wife own yeah. it. And, and they're awesome. They're amazing. They've been gracious enough to give us a discount code. Um, Jamie's podcast again is the discount for the free appetizer with mm-hmm. your meal. Um, so please go join and support them in our community so that they can continue thriving and growing. And who knows, you know, maybe we'll see you down there and we'd love to talk to you in person as well. Josh, thank you so much for being on with us and being a part of Love Where You Live. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Love Where You Live, a podcast dedicated to real estate in the Treasure Valley. Once again, to learn more about the opportunities in the Treasure Valley and be supported by Idaho's best, go to jamiematsdorf.com.